the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Welcome to the Frank Sontag Show. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles, and I will be your host today. Why do some people hate Monday? It's Monday. I mean, Monday gets a bad rap, but hey, let's face it. A lot of people hate Monday. Now listen, you're almost through Monday, but Monday is still going. Maybe it's because people talk bad about hating Monday all the time. Maybe it's just because people love company when they're miserable about Mondays. Maybe we hate Mondays because we don't like what we're doing. Maybe we don't like the people we work with. Maybe it's because we live for the weekend and Monday just means that the weekend is completely over. I wonder what the reason is that maybe you don't like Monday, but get this. Hey, there's hope. That's right. For the true believer, Monday is a total opportunity. I love what it says in Psalm 118 verse 24. It says, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Did you notice what he said there? This is the day that the Lord has made. So we are to rejoice and be glad in it. Yet some go with what others say. Listen to what others have said about Monday. One person said it like this, Dear Monday, I want to break up. I'm seeing Tuesday and dreaming about Friday. Sincerely, it's not me. It's all you. (laughs) I wonder if you feel the same way. Hey, another person said this. Just once, I would like to wake up and hear that Monday was completely canceled so I can go back to sleep. I think I was thinking that this morning when I got up at 6. Someone, you know, might wonder, though, if Monday doesn't maybe not like us back. I don't know. Maybe it's mutual feelings. But maybe, just maybe, just follow me here, Monday could possibly be a sign of a deeper problem. I was reading this Princeton University study, and it revealed that up to 80% of Americans are dissatisfied with their jobs. It says that they were living lives of quiet desperation. They're known as career sufferers. It affects every aspect of their lives, from their marriage to their relationships, to their physical health and self-esteem. Maybe, just maybe, this would describe someone you know. I wonder if it would describe you. The study from Princeton University went on to point out a deeper problem. And what was the deeper problem? It's saying that most people have a lack of purpose, that most people have a lack of direction. Really, I wonder if it's not that people don't have a lack of true calling. Yes, like the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. It was George Barna, 
in his polling company, addressing the minimal impact of Christianity in our society today. He said this, number one, Christianity is having a minimal influence on thoughts, words, and deeds of people under the age of 40. Huh, really? And number two, he went on to say, his examination of 100 indicators of attitudes Beliefs and behaviors showed that Christians are very similar to non-Christians in their everyday behavior. Really, that's interesting. But Barna went on to say, non-Christians expect Christians to differ in religious things. Hmm. Actually, my perspective is this that Christians should actually differ from non-Christians in every realm, don't you think? In our marriages, in our singleness, in our careers, and in our free time. Have you ever thought about how intense it was? I mean, think about this for a second. For the first century believers, I know that we think we have it so hard here in the 21st century, and we do. We've got our own set of issues that we have to deal with. A little bit of chaos, I would say, makes people a little hot under the collar. But yet, in such a short period of time, think about this. The first century believers were able to literally turn their world totally upside down. It's not like they had it easy. I mean, come on. They were feeding Christians to lions in the Colosseum. Okay, but how in the world were the first century Christians able to turn their world upside down? And get this, they pulled it off without TV, without radio, without social media. Oh, there was no Twitter accounts happening back then. They didn't even have access to texting or Bible apps. That's, of course, what they didn't have. So they didn't have those things. But let me tell you what they did have. What the first century Christians had was a practical, down-to-earth, everyday lifestyle of Christianity. Their Christianity was real, meaning they simply lived what they believed. It's a type of Christian living that's, well, maybe not known by many today. Some try to reclassify that type of lifestyle as, well, they were just radical or, man, completely over the top. Maybe even, to our standards today, extreme. Yet to them, it was simply ordinary, everyday Christian living. Yes, God has called us. Get that. Now, who's us? When I say God has called us, who is us? Because a lot of people will classify themselves as Christian. Hey, I was born in America. I like apple pie, and George Washington was our first president. In fact, some of the polling has said that somewhere between 72 and 83% of Americans claim to be Christians. Well, listen, I don't want to throw a a wet dish rag on all of this, but I can pretty much promise you that three-quarters of America are not true believers in Christ. We wouldn't have the chaos and upheaval that we have today if that was true. But yes, 
God has called us true believers, those who have received Jesus Christ in their heart as their Savior, born-again Christians, I'm saying, born from above, and he has called us true believers— He's requested us. He has summoned us. God has asked us, that's right, true believers, to make a difference in this world. What? Yes, to reach out to this dark world. So when Mondays come around and everyone looks like they got baptized in lemon juice, the true believers should actually come in, get this, imagine this, with a smile on their face. Wow. Wow, how in the world would that happen? You know, some don't feel called, though. Some like, well, I'm a believer, but I don't feel called to make a difference here. You know, I I wonder if you feel called as a believer to make a difference in this world that's got, well, just a little bit of chaos happening right now. You know, it was Ian Bounds, uh, pastor of years ago, that said, what the church needs today is not more machinery, uh, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men and women who the Holy Spirit of God can use. Men and women of prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not anoint plans, but people people of prayer. Wow, that's an interesting thought, huh? I wonder if you, as a believer, if you are, maybe not everyone is, but I wonder if you're a person of prayer. I wonder if you're a vehicle, a vessel, a conduit that the Holy Spirit of God can move through, because again, a lot of people, they're not digging on Monday. Monday's not a great day. People are a little frustrated, But I wonder if you could be that vehicle that God could use to reach out to someone. Well, you never know when God will call us out of our little contentment of just going through my life and doing my thing. I was on the phone the other day. It was crazy. I was talking to this guy from Verizon, had an issue with my Verizon. Imagine that, a problem. Anyway, I call in, and they have call centers all over the United States. So I got this guy in Texas. How did I know it was Texas? Because I asked him the typical question, hey, what's the weather like in Texas today? It was about the same temperature as it was here in Southern California. And so we got done with the issue, the problem, and all of that. And he goes, well, sir, is there anything else I can help you with? I said, well, actually, no, there's nothing else that you can help me with. But I was going to ask you if I could help you with something. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, when's the last time that someone got done with the issue, the problem of why they call Verizon? And then they said to you personally, when's the last time that someone told you that there's a God in heaven that loves you? There was silence on the phone. I'm wondering. Did he, did he hang up on me? He was like, was it the click? You're gone? Oh, no. I go, are you still there? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, when's the last time? He goes, well, my mom. And I said, well, great. I said, listen. He goes, what? I said, listen to your mother. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because God does love you. That's why he came to this earth. That's why he died on the cross. He co- carried your sin on his body so that you could live forever. Wow. And so that sparked a conversation that went on for the next 20 minutes. 
And when we got done with that conversation, this man on the phone in Texas, how many miles away is Texas? Does anyone know that? Hey, give me a call. 888-528-2557. Tell me how many miles it is from here to Texas. I think he was in Houston, Texas. So Southern California to Houston, Texas. Someone give me that number. But anyway, so here we are all these miles apart. I'm going to guess 1,200 miles. So there we are on the phone. And all of a sudden, I have this conversation going with this guy. He dedicates, rededicates his life to Christ. We get done with a phone call, and he says, I'm going to call my mom. And it's like, how crazy is that? See, it didn't really take me much more time than what I was already on the phone. In fact, we talked about the problem more than we talked about the solution to his life. But it's called lifestyle evangelism. You know, it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision the people perish. No vision. The people perish. Think about that. Many Christians today find themselves without vision. And they remind me of the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland. Remember that? Alice in Wonderland. What a crazy movie. It's kind of freaky movie anyway. But the Cheshire cat there was asked by Alice. And Alice said to the Cheshire cat, tell me please which way I ought to go from here. And he responded with, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. And Alice responded, I don't care much where. And the Cheshire cat said, then it doesn't matter which way you go. See, if you don't care where you're going in life, then it doesn't really matter which way you go. But for us as true believers in Christ, God has given to us a purpose and a plan. So it matters which way we decide to go. You know, the Bible makes our purpose very clear when it says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. How about this for an impact session, huh? Hey, it's uh, the beginning of the show, and we have the impact session. But get that. We, as true believers in Christ, we are called to proclaim. We are called to tell someone the excellencies of God. You know, Monday could end up being a Monday with total purpose. Monday could end up being a day of purpose that's bigger than you and me. It's looking like outside the box, you could say. It's like thinking like, wow, instead of just how my emotions feel and how I feel today, hey, get this. This is one thing I've learned to do over life. I don't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, gee, how are you feeling today? It's like, you know, because maybe I don't feel that great. So what does it really matter about how I feel? As believers, there is something that's bigger than us. There's something that's bigger than us. And I think as believers, I think we look at everything that's happening in the world today, crime spiking, you know, all of the things that are happening. What's gas now? Like 20 bucks a gallon? Uh, it's like, well, maybe not yet, but it's heading in that direction. Inflation, everything's costing more. 
all the things that are happening, do you think there's a little bit of civil unrest right now? So as a believer, when we look at the things around us and think, wow, everything's a little chaotic around us, don't you think that if it concerns us as believers that have our hope in Christ, that have our hope for the future, that we know that we're going to live and be with him because we've been adopted by God. We are the children of God. Get that. Well, how crazy is that? Put your mind around that. We are the children of God. And we can cry out to God, as it says in Romans chapter 8, Abba, Father, which is a Hebrew term, Abba, Abba. It would be like us as a toddler crying out to our parents, you know, Daddy, Daddy, Papa, Papa. I mean, look what we have. And are we not concerned a little bit with what's happening around us? So with that same mentality, what do you think the people around us are thinking? Those that don't have the hope of heaven, those that we work with, those that are our next door neighbors that we come out of our doors. Hi, how's it going? We talk to them. We talk to the people at work. We have relationships with them. And yet, what are they really thinking? Don't we all put the facade on? It's like, hey, how's it going? It's like, oh, I'm doing fine. Oh, this is my wife, Mrs. Fine. Oh, these are my children, Little Fine and Minnie Fine. It's like, we all say we're fine, but are we really? And are the people around us? But again, this comes back to the hope that is inside of us. The hope that's inside of us should be spread to others that maybe don't have the hope. It was C.H. Persian. C.H. Spurgeon, I mean, he was like one of the greatest Bible expositors of all time. Okay, so he's been dead for 100 years plus. But he said this quote. He was the prince of preachers. He said this, The strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready. The brave are not always courageous. And the joyous are not always happy. Yes, this is why we are called. In season and out of season. And you never know when something's going to happen. There I was on my way to where? In and out. Why? Because I'm an eating machine, of course. So I was going for my favorite burger at In and Out. Yeah, I've had to design it, by the way. And, you know, you can thank me for this later. I'll go ahead and let you in on it. So if you want the best burger you can get at In and Out, here it is. All right. Are you ready? You can take notes on this. I won't charge you for it. It's a three by three. That's right. Because a double double is not quite enough. It's a three by three animal style with chopped chilies and whole grill. Okay, again, you can thank me later. But anyway, I was going there with my son and there was a guy outside and he had a sign collecting money for his father's funeral. And I stopped and I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, my dad was a drug addict and wasn't really that close to him, but you know, he was killed and I'm trying to raise some money for his funeral. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. I started sharing with him and I, I asked him, When's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? And he looked at me right in the eye and he said, never. No one has ever said that to me. Now, listen, I could have just walked in and got my burger. And I did about 15 minutes later. But I shared Christ with him right there in front of In-N-Out with people walking in and out the door. He gave his life to Christ. I mean, it's like, did I wake up that morning thinking, hey, I'm going to talk to some guy in front of In-N-Out and he's going to give his life to Christ. Did I think that? No, not at all. But God just wants us to be ready in season and out. That means when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. So it's something to think about. That's why we have an impact here on this show every day. 
So that is a little food for thought for you so that you can consider like maybe Monday is something that's more important than whatever is on my agenda. Maybe Monday has something to do with someone other than me as we humble ourselves and we get out of thinking about just the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, we can be more focused on what in the world would God have me to do today on this day as we started our impact segment, as we were looking at the word that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, listen, I'm going to be right back right after this commercial break. Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hey, listen, we got an exciting interview coming up right now, and you're going to be able to listen to it because you're listening on KKLA right now. My name is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm interviewing a beautiful woman right now. You might say, uh, excuse me, you shouldn't be talking about other women like that. Well, you're right, except for the fact that this beautiful woman happens to be my wife. And her name is Lori Wilburn. Welcome to the show. Hi, radio friends. I'm so excited to be with you today. I'm so stoked that you came in today to actually sit in here while I was hosting the program today. And I wanted to specifically ask you, sweetheart, and I can say that because she's my wife, but my wife was raised in a very religious home. Yes, I was. And You went to Catholic school. Yes, I did. Uh, And you believed in God. Yes, sir. Yet you didn't have a relationship with God. No, I didn't. So why don't you tell our radio audience, how did that change from you? Because for some people, it's like, wait a minute, you went to church, you had a relationship with God. How did that change for you? Well, let me let me begin with, you know, starting from the beginning, actually. And mind you, folks, this was in the 1960s, and I was raised in a Roman Catholic home. And it was my mom who was the driving force behind us going to church every Sunday morning, confession on Saturday nights, uh, making my first Holy Communion, uh, and also uh, making my confirmation. So, you know, my dad was typical uh, blue-collar worker. He worked in construction, and, and yet it was my mom who always made sure that going to Mass on Sunday morning was going to be our priority, and so we did. So I grew up with, a, you know, a reverence for church and God and those things. But as I became a teenager, things started developing in a completely different direction. And those of us who've raised teen children or who have teen children at the moment, you know what I'm talking about. Puberty hits and, you know, life goes off the rails and uh, life definitely went off the rails for me. And ironically enough, my family had even stopped going to church during that period for, for many, many reasons. But it was around the age of 17, at the the young, very tender age of 17, I was partying, and I was going out on the weekends with my friends, and I was doing all the things that 
most teenagers do at that season of their life. And yet I found myself absolutely empty. I loved being, you know, part of the crowd and being cool and everybody wanting to hang out with me and vice versa and going to all the cool places on Friday nights and Saturday nights. But there was just this sense of emptiness in my heart. And so God began moving in my life. And one of the ways, there there were many, many ways that God was moving at that age in my life. But one of the ways in particular, we had this family tradition. Every Easter, we watched the movie, Jesus of Nazareth. And now that was the multi, what, that had like, Many parts. It wasn't just like it was one like movie. A, yeah, it was a mini series, so it right. lasted all week long. And so I remember in 1979, I sat down with my family as we typically did during the Easter season, and we watched Jesus of Nazareth. Now, mind you, my folks had no idea of what was going on in my life, but obviously, God knew. And sitting down watching this, it had an impact on me like never before. And I remember I felt almost glued to the couch as I was watching each night of this series of Jesus of Nazareth. And something was happening in my heart that the dots were starting to connect. And at the end of that program, the very, the very last night of the series, I remember when the program was over, I went into my bedroom and I wept. Now, if you grow, grew up Catholic, or especially Roman Catholic, you have a crucifix on every light fixture of your house. So we did. We had a crucifix just about everywhere. And But in my bedroom, there was a crucifix right above my light fixture. And I remember flipping on my light and I was pouring my heart out in tears as I was looking at the crucifix realizing for some strange reason, no one specifically said it or articulated it to me, but I knew that Jesus dying on the cross was for me. And I went to bed that night and not only was I weeping, but I was so sad because I thought, you know, something, something's happening here and I can't really understand what it is. Well, lo and behold, my parents had started going back to church during that time. And they even started um, going to these meetings at the Catholic Church on Friday nights. And these meetings were folks who had become born again. And a friend of born mine... Born again at the Catholic Church. Born wow. again at the Catholic Church. And I thought my parents had... They were off the rocker. I'm thinking, what in the <laughs> world is happening to my parents? But... With that said, it, was, uh, it wasn't long before my mom started inviting me to church, but it wasn't the Catholic church. It was this new church that she wanted me to try out because she was telling me that I needed to be born again. And you know, at the age of 17, anything your mom says, you're going to go in the opposite direction. But I did go with her, and I knew that I was longing for something, and so I went to church on this particular Sunday, and I, I just thought these people were absolutely crazy. They were clapping their hands. They were singing, and they just had this incredible joy. And I left that Sunday, and I thought, yeah, I'm not going to be coming back anytime soon. <laughs> but as 
the Lord would have it. I'm not going to say as fate would have it. As the Lord would have it, he drew me right back again the following Sunday. And I remember looking at this, you know, mind you, folks, I I wasn't a Christian yet. And I just remember scoping out the guys in the church and they were scoping me out. And I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe this will be my church. But anyway, there was this one, this one young man in particular, and he had a thick head of dark hair and he had these beautiful crystal blue eyes and his skin was smooth and perfect and he was just every girl's dream and I remember looking at him and thinking oh oh okay yeah I'm definitely coming back and I remember it was just a matter of time before I went to a midweek service with my mom And there he was again. There was that dashing young man. And he came up and he introduced himself to me. And long story short, this young man was the very man who led me to Christ. But I have to tell you the backstory on that. He knew I was Catholic. He knew I was coming to church just to appease my mom. And he opened up the Bible And he walked me through the word because I told him flat out, I said, you know, I don't really need this Jesus thing because I'm a Catholic. And he said, well, that's nice, (laughs) but you are a sinner and you need Christ because the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he led me down what was called the Roman road. And folks, I can't even begin to tell you how God's word just jumped off of the page and into my heart. And I knew that that was truth. And I also knew that it was that personal relationship with Christ that I had been lacking my whole entire life. And so it was at that moment after he walked me through the word and which, by the way, folks, if you haven't figured it out by now, it was my husband, Steve Wilburn. That's me. That's me. <laughs> who, who walked me through the Roman road and who led me to Christ. And I gave my heart to Christ. 1979, Easter, uh, Easter season thereabouts. And it radically changed not only my walk with God, but uh, my relationship to Jesus Christ and his relationship to me. And so the journey began. It was no longer about religion. It was no longer about being raised in a religious home. Um, uh, God had begun stirring my heart. I realized that I was absolutely empty at the age of 17. And it was at that age that God met me with his grace his mercy, his forgiveness, and his redemption. And Psalm 103 is is really my, my life verse. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And here's what he has done for us, folks. He's pardoned our iniquities. He's healed our diseases. He's redeemed our life from the pit. And he's crowned us with loving kindness and compassion. And that's what God did for me. He redeemed my life from the pit. And what a journey it has been in the last 42 years. And so, yes, that's how I, how I came to Jesus. And uh, he knew what it would take to, to bring me to himself. And I'm so glad that he did. You know, I remember that day that you made that commitment to Christ and I can play it like a video in my head. 
And one of the things that you said to me that led to all that opening the scripture and everything was we had dinner that night. I was on our second date and you looked at me and you said, you know, what is it with you in Jesus? It's like, I believe in Jesus. I have a cross on my wall that you talked about. Yes, I did. And, and I said, I said to you, I go, uh, because you told me, you said, you act like he's your best friend, your next door neighbor. And I said, uh, yes, because I really know him. There's a lot more to this story. So hang on. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church of Los Angeles, and I'm your host today. And we're right in the middle of an interview with my wife. That's right. And so you just shared how she came out of a religious relationship with God into a personal relationship with God. So, honey, continue now because uh, we've been married for 42 years. That's a Yikes. long time. That's like a miracle. <laughs> well, in this in this day and age, it used to be very, very typical to be married 50, 60 years, but not so much in this culture. But yes, 42 years. Praise God. Well, you know, now let's talk about, because I watched it happen, because I was a Christian before you, so I had a little bit more maturity than you, only because I was a Christian for a little while longer. But I remember waking up one day and thinking, Oh my goodness, how did my wife mature so quickly? Tell me what happened in your life and how you can encourage other women and men too on how to develop that relationship because I watched it happen with you. Yeah, so uh, I remember you were working in construction. Oh, by the way, folks, let me just catch you up on a, a little quick fact here. Uh, 1979 was was the year that I gave my heart to Christ, and 1979 was the same year that Steve and I got married. So uh, now that we got that out of the way, when he used to go to work in the morning, very, very early in the morning. I want to point out that we're both in good shape still. <laughs> <laughs> well, like... you speak for yourself. Things are getting a little saggier, a little looser on my end. And little... uh, uh, I don't but, know about yeah, that, but go but ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, uh, so yes, we, uh, where was I? Oh, there I was. Yes. Early in the morning, I remember uh, after you would go to work. I would grab my Bible and I would just start reading and I didn't know where to go, you know, what to read necessarily. I did not have someone to disciple me, but I remember I just had this hunger for God's word. I wanted to know. And at that time, I used to listen to a Bible program on the radio station during the day. And that just, you know, that kind of developed my, my interest and my longing to know God's word. And so uh, after a while, we started going to a new church, a different church. And within that church, there was a, a wonderful women's Bible study. And I thought, you know, I, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see what this is all about. And so I signed up for women's Bible study. And I'll never forget uh, the name of the curriculum that we used was Joy of Living. And Ladies, I just want to tell you, there were six days of homework in that curriculum. And then there was a commentary, a written commentary that followed that. And I remember I would gobble up this homework like a Pac-Man. You remember that game, Pac-Man? And I was like a, a Bible Pac-Woman, and my, my soul was so thirsty for the Word of God. 
Uh, but I would go to this Bible study, and it was a true, real deal Bible study. It was not where we just got together and we looked at a scripture and then we talked about our felt needs. Nope, that's not what it was about. We would come together. We would have a time of worship. We would have a time of teaching covering the homework that we had studied. And then we would break up into small groups. And guess what we would talk about? We would talk about what we had studied. It was awesome. And that is what really catapulted me in my knowledge of God's word. Now, you know, maturity is one thing. Knowledge of God's word, you know, is another when you want to see them go hand in hand. It's about obedience, truly, because you can have a, a lot of Bible knowledge But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a mature Christian. So I just want to say that from the outset. Maturity, you know what? I'm still a work in progress. I'm still growing. But as far as Bible knowledge and getting to know God's word, it was that women's Bible study that really was the catalyst behind that for me. And I know that, you know, we live in a culture and a society where We are dumbing down the word of God. We are requiring less and less of ourselves and each other as far as how much time we think we can afford in God's word. We can come up with excuses all day long why we don't have the time. But ladies, I want to encourage you and I want to exhort you. We do have the time. I remember going through these studies and I was raising children. I was changing diapers. I was taking kids to the doctors. I was cooking meals. I was driving my children places, carpooling, all of the usual suspects of motherhood. And yet that time in God's word was an absolute essential for me. And I think about what it says in Proverbs 834, and I've held tightly to this for decades. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. And ladies, I just can't tell you, there's no substitute for the word of God speaking into your life every single day. And I'm not talking about listening to a, listening to a Bible study from somebody else. There is a place for that. There is a time for that. And, and that is essential as well. But something about when you open the word of God, when you sit down with your Bible and you allow God to speak to your heart, that is truly transforming. If you can just do a chapter a day, I challenge you, I encourage you, do a chapter a day. I, I'm not real fond of just picking a verse and, and just you know meditating on one verse throughout the day. I want to know what it says before. I want to know what it says after. I want to know why that scripture is there in its context. Too much of, of what we're told to believe is built inaccurately or inadequately based on just scriptures here and there. You want to know why they're there. What what was said before that? What was said after that? And who was it that this was being conveyed to? All of those things are so important. But look, at the end of the day, if you can just do a chapter a day with a good uh, study Bible, then you are on your way to being set. It said, uh, there was this quote that the first minute of your day is going to determine the next 12 hours of 
your day. So ladies, when your eyes open in the morning, your feet hit that floor, make a beeline to the word of God. That's it. That's what I do. I don't turn on my computer and check the news. I don't check my phone. I don't, I don't look for, you know, all of the texts and all of those things. I, I just don't do that. I have had to develop the discipline. Yes, I said the word discipline. As soon as my feet hit the floor, I make a beeline well, first of all, I, I do my pour over coffee and then I head. <laughs> hey, you got to have I, priorities here. I, I, I got to keep it real here. But yeah, I, I make a beeline for my coffee and then to the word of God. And I leave my Bible open in the same place every single day. So it's there looking at me when I go downstairs. There's there's just no getting around it. And that that first decision of the day, the first minute of your day will determine the next 12 hours of your day. And so I want to encourage you that that's what worked for me. And it's getting into the word of God. You know, honey, I so uh, have witnesses watching you If you just came in on this, this is my wife, by the way. I'm not calling uh, someone that I'm interviewing, honey. (laughs) This is my wife. But uh, I do want to point something out here that we have a summer series called Revive that you have created here at Core Church Los Angeles. And Revive is a three-part series. We've already done the first part. We have the second part. It's going to happen tomorrow night, July 27th at 7.30. That's right. Can you share real quick on that? Yes, I'd be happy to. You know, after coming out of COVID and these last 18 months, I think have been, needless to say, unhinging for so many of us, especially uh, we've seen it in the church, Uh, the elections, the social unrest, everything that's going on in our country, and even globally, I think have really impacted the church. And like you folks, I've witnessed anxiety and fear and uncertainty among God's people. And so I was moved a few months ago to have this summer series to help women to really reclaim biblical truth. I think one of the things that has happened in these last 18 months is that we have lost our sense of identity and assurance. We have lost our sense of that we are God's children, that he is on the throne and he's got this. Whether it's a pandemic or whether it's it's something else of a, a trial or a hardship or a heartache, ladies, we have got to reclaim the biblical truth that God is on the throne and we are his children. So I, I want to get back to that. And then secondly, to understand our assurance We've lost hope of our blessed assurance. And so we have been redeemed by Christ. And that is where we are going to lay our claim. We are women who have been redeemed by the power of God. And we need to desperately tether our lives to God's word, his sovereignty, and his calling upon us as disciples. I know that covers a lot. It covers really a lifetime of learning. But as we move forward, my burden is that we as women would seek to be revived in our commitment to being a people for God's own possession, to proclaim the virtues of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, First Peter 2, 9. 
We're going to take an honest look at our walk with God in the last year, and then we're going to dive into God's Word and discover how we can revive our faith and move forward into new levels of courage and commitment. Amen. Well, this is such a cool uh, thing. Now, we again, this is the second session of this. We did the first one in June, so we have one here July, which is tomorrow night. Yes. It's Tuesday, yes. July 27th. It's at 7.30. That's right. It's at Court Church, Los Angeles. We're on the intersection of the 10 Freeway and La Cienega. So it's real easy to get to. We're like 200 feet north of the 10 Freeway. So listen, ladies, uh, I'm encouraging you come out to this and you know the traffic really starts dying down in la at like seven o'clock so you know you can jump in the car right at seven and just bolt Mm -hmm. and get straight there without hitting tons of traffic and so again this is a revive series for women Mm -hmm. it's once a month we'll have another one in august we'll keep you tuned in on that you can go to our website to know where we're at we're at corechurchla.org that's corechurch la.org and this is a revived summer series we have worship we have uh, this wonderful message that's going to happen tomorrow so ladies you are personally invited by my wife yes that's right you are welcome i just welcome (laughs) you and look forward to meeting you if you've listened to this program please come up and introduce yourself to me Amen. And so again, I'm your host today, Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church, Los Angeles. You know, we have three services on Sunday morning. We have 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and also we have a day one at Core Church, and that's at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday. I encourage you to come check us out. If you like it, hey, you might just stay. If you don't, well, hey, listen, at least we got to meet. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, gee, I thought you were so much different than what you are. You you look completely different. I said, well, so do you, because I've never met you before. But anyway, I just encourage you to come out. Anyway, thank you so much for having me as the host today. We're going to be back tomorrow all the way through this week. We've got plenty of awesome things that we're going to look at marriage hardship all these things so join me tomorrow here at kkla